This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want and take control of the airwaves here. Our number for you is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. It's 855-450-3733. We've also got the Discord on-air call-in line rooms. They're open and available to you over at discord.lrn.fm. So feel free to hop in there and join us, the us tonight. It's me, Ian. It's me, Vincent. And Daryl. Vincent, welcome back. Uh, thank you, thank you. It's good to be back behind a mic. You're back behind a mic. Uh, you also took a uh, kind of basically a few weeks off for a winter break. You're a college student, and uh, you left keen, so it's hard to do a show when you don't have a nice studio uh, to do it in. But you're actually going to be sitting in for Conan uh, until further notice here on Wednesday nights. He's got uh, he's a p- postal carrier. Is yes uh, for those that hear us normally on Wednesdays. This well, where's Conan? Uh, he's Filling in for a woman who slipped on some ice out here and broke her vertebrae or something like that, or neck collarbone or so- something bad. She broke something, yeah. can't do the mailman so- job anymore. Something neck slash Male pack. person, Daryl. You don't want to use gendered language. Male person. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Female man. Right. So uh, so he's now doing like seven days a week for the post office and just can't make it in tonight. So, um, And you actually went up to uh, Canada recently. Maybe we That's should... where he's from. Right. But he went up during the holidays where, of course, they just legalized cannabis. So um, Is he old enough? Yes. Well, until uh, – so the current government, the current provincial government in Quebec is considering, and I think they are planning on raising the age from 18, which you could currently buy cannabis in the province of Quebec, to 21. Okay. Yeah, their implementation seems to be uh, tweaked towards being more conservative than some of the other provinces, some of the comments. Yeah, and I thought that, some of the provinces already had like a 19 or 21 Some yeah, are 19, age. yeah. Uh, and it, well, in this case, it's because usually Quebec has been run either by the Parti Québécois or the uh, Parti Liberal. In this case, the sort of center-right or just centrist, I mean, in, in Canadian politics, Coalition Avenir Quebec, they took control over it. So they're gonna, their, their um, platform is, I guess, sort of like moderate Republican compared to, I guess, the U.S. Or, Are they or the secessionists or no? No, party, uh, no, no. They, they're sovereignists, I believe. So they believe Quebec should have special privileges in the Canadian Confederation. But not leave Canada? But not leave Canada, yeah, because, you know, there's too much money in that. Parti Québécois, the Pequists, that's the separatist, right. separatist party. Yeah, I, for some reason, thought that there were like three different secessionist parties in Quebec, but they all disagreed of what to do after secession. Yeah, that's um, there's well, there's two main ones. There's Parti Québécois, which is provincial, and then there's Bloc Québécois, which is the uh, it's it's like the na- it's in the National Assembly or the National okay. Parliament. That's what it got is. it. So you were up there. Um, it's 18 right now. You're 20. You, you did you go to one of these stores? I mean, what happened? Well, I considered uh, the I, government I, run there, right? Yes, yeah, it's okay. absolutely. Because so some of the provinces they've allowed for private operation of the establishments that sell cannabis, but in Quebec, it's government. Right. Yes, yeah, it's similar to how the liquor stores are run there. So it's all government. Uh, I really wanted to go and check one out, and I considered going, but they had such erratic hours. Like I, I, the once I was, it was like a Saturday or a Sunday, and it closed at four. Typical uh, government store. I remember being in uh, Toronto. It's that's Ontario province, right? Yes, yes. Um, and Ontario province is one of the other ones where it's government-run stores. In fact, that's where they were just screwing up royally. 
uh, they'd run out of cannabis like immediately on day yeah. number one. And Ironically, the, at 420, I think it was. Or was that a different province? I don't know, but it was ridiculous. Th- there was one where there were the news reports of, yep, ironically enough, at 420 in the afternoon, we ran out of cannabis. And their website was backed up and broken and the deliveries were delayed and there was like a postal service uh, protest going on or, or some kind of a, you know, the workers were, were protesting during the holidays. And it was just a, an absolute cluster F uh, there in Ontario province. I hadn't heard that much about how it went in uh, Quebec province, but regardless, it, it doesn't surprise me because I remember visiting Toronto and that's when I learned that they had the government run uh, beer and wine stores. When were you allowed to visit Toronto? This was uh, more than a decade ago. This was probably 2008. Okay. Uh, went there for actually a, a rave with my girlfriend at the time. And they uh, they had these government-run beer and, and wine-slash-liquor stores. I don't think they could even sell If I recall correctly, we actually went into a convenience store. They can't even sell it in convenience stores there, whereas like here in New Hampshire, the government has a big control over liquor. Right. But they do allow convenience stores and grocery stores to sell the beer and the wine. Right. Uh, but here, you had to go to the government store, and it was just like that. They closed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so we tried to go... And we were there like six or seven or whatever, figuring it's a liquor store. It's going to be open. Nope. No, it wasn't. Whereas in Massachusetts, when Daryl, you and I went down there uh, to check out Green Tuesday, the very first day of legal cannabis sales in uh, east of the Mississippi in in the United States, they were open from eight in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Those people want to serve their customers. Yes. These government agents, they don't care about that. You come when they say they're going to be open. And if I really wanted to, I, I obviously would have been able to get so I just had to go to a different part of a city or wake up earlier and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, I checked for prices online on our Bare Bones website. And I mean, compared to uh, what I've heard, you know, prices are in the black market, <laughs> uh, it absolutely wasn't worth it. And, you know, I just more I, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, I just went to uh, just just went to a few bars and pubs and um, had a, you know, a traditional good old legal time. Right. Because to- you can drink at age 18. Yes. In Canada. So anyway, um, we, we can continue here. Uh, of course, you can bring up anything that you want. Now, anything interesting happened at the border on yes. the way in? Oh, or yes, yes. The way out? You always got to ask somebody about what the border experience was like. The, the way out was easy. Usually it's easier going in. Right? Into because, the U.S.? Yeah, it, no, into Canada oh. because the border patrol are not, you know, Canadians are much nicer, very nice. nicer. And also, uh, yeah, and so... Uh, and I always go there for travel, right? I always travel or holidays. Mm-hmm. But uh, so going in and out because I usually go to the smaller stations. That wasn't that wasn't an issue. But on the way into Canada, there's a uh, border patrol, or I forget exactly who there was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's but U.S. border patrol. There's like a car parked right in front of, uh, like in in the um, on the street, right, or on, on the road. And so my you know my mother's driving at the, and at the checkpoint or before, before the checkpoint, like a okay. few hundred feet bef- before. And mm-hmm. so the, and this man's holding you know a sh- like an automatic shotgun with the uh, shell in the holder so it was like a scene out of like a uh, third world country or something wow. like, like you know they're gonna rob us or something and i'm panicking i'm like oh my god this is it i've seen the godfather i know what they're gonna do and so they stop the car and then they they're say, gonna make you an offer you can't refuse <laughs> well no no more like the uh, the toll booth scene you know where they they have the um if it was getting i've actually never seen i've never seen it either and, and so anyways and so they say, "Where are you? Are you citizen?" And and I say to my mom, "I'm like, you know, you don't have to an- answer this. It's unconstitutional." And, and she tells me to be quiet and doesn't want to get in any trouble. Wait, you don't have to answer that at the actual border? No, it wasn't the actual border. Oh, no, it was before. It was a few hundred feet before the border. Oh. That's basically the border. Yeah, I think that's the border. Well, well, I mean, like, there's for, like the border crossing area. We're, yeah, if it was if it was a U.S. officer. Then you probably might have already even crossed the border at that point, and their their nah, checkpoint be, was a few hundred feet beyond it. 
Well, I mean, okay, I, I, you would know more than I would. I just didn't understand why. It wasn't why a Canadian the U- officer. No, it was not. It was the right. U.S. going into Canada. And so I was I was freaked out by it. I didn't know if something was going on. The Canadians probably aren't going to let a U.S. officer stand with a shotgun inside Canadian territory. No, so. no obviously not. And so yeah. when we went to the Canadian, uh, when we went to the, the checkpoint, you know, we gave it was fine. Where are you going? What are you bringing? And my mother asked. She said, hey, do you know what they're doing over there? What, what's that all about? And the Canadian officer said, I don't know. They, they didn't tell us. I know in uh, Derby Line uh, slash Stansted, which in Vermont. is Vermont, uh, Quebec, yeah. you know, it used to be like one community that just happened to be divided by the border. Right. Neither checkpoint is right on the border. That's correct. They're both several hundred feet away. Yeah, there's. Um, I, I remember when I was at Derby Line. Uh, there's actually a short documentary about it on the Free Keen YouTube channel. Just search for Derby Line uh, or Derby Line Free Keen, and on YouTube, and you'll find it. There was um, there's a bridge that you go over yes. a river of, of some sort, and so presumably the river is the border at, at that point. And then you've got to walk a little ways before you actually get to yeah. the border uh, patrol installation. And then there are other spots where it's just you know like here's some potted plants designating the border. Yep. And there's you know a big huge giant sign on the American side. It's illegal to cross here. Blah da 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 da. And on the Canadian side, it's like. Oh, if you happen to cross here, just kindly go over and see the border <laughs> agent, eh? Yeah, that, uh, that's a pretty good uh, explanation of it. So, uh, you got through, everything was okay, they didn't actually search, toss the car or anything like no, that? No, no, it would have okay. wasted their time. Now, at the border, one of the concerns that those of us in the United States who care about freedom uh, should have, besides the fact that the border exists, uh, is the idea that they can search your devices at the border. And there's a federal court case, I don't know if it has to do with the border itself, but with Within the United States about your ability or the police's ability or lack thereof for them to force you to use biometric identification like your fingerprints. And this is huge. To open your phone. Yes. To this unlock is a it. huge decision. This is. And we'll tell you what it's about and share that with you on the way tonight. 855-450-FREE if you want to join us on Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've also got the Discord on-air call-in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. Jump into any one of those and you'll get on the air with us here. You'll sound almost like... You are sitting in the studio, as a matter of fact. AnyPay.Global. You can go to AnyPay.Global if you are a a business owner, uh, maybe a manager, but probably you should be the owner. Um, Somebody who wants to start accepting cryptocurrency at your point of sale in real life. And they've actually, they're working on something. I don't know how much I can say about it, but they're working on something for internet businesses who would like to accept cryptocurrency. Now, obviously, there's a bevy of choices out there for this, um, but they've already done an integration with a fairly big e-tailer, and I can't say which one, but I was impressed uh, when I saw it. And I I asked them, can I talk about it? And they said, no, not yet, because we just started. I'm sure they want to make sure the bugs or whatever kinks get worked out, but... Uh, it was uh, it was pretty good news. I'll let you know when when we know. But for right now, if you got a real life business, go to AnyPay.Global 
and you can get signed up super easy. There's uh, all you need is your username and password and you're in. Then you put your cryptocurrency wallet address into the settings page and then put the app on your device at the checkout. And that's it. You're accepting cryptocurrency super easy within literally within minutes of having gone uh, gone to any pay.global unlike let's say credit card companies that oh you got to apply and that's probably going to take you an hour and then they got to approve your application maybe they will maybe they won't and then you got to go and jump through hoops and get the machine and get all kinds of you know KYC well and I've AML. even noticed some of the quote unquote competitors to any pay that to sign up you have to send them an email saying I want to sign up and then wait on them to get back to you to let you actually sign up. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many controls. It's uh, ridiculous. So go to anypay.global and you will feel way more free because you're accepting cryptocurrency and you didn't really have to ask anybody's permission to do it. It's anypay.global. As uh, we go to the story here that I actually had for a few days, and it's an important piece. I'm glad we're finally going to get it to you from Forbes.com. Thomas Brewster reporting where a California judge has ruled that American cops can't force people to unlock their mobile phone with their face or finger. The ruling goes further to protect people's private lives from government searches than any uh, previous ruling and is being hailed as a potentially landmark decision. Right. So prior to this decision, and I'm going to assume that this is out of the the district court, it's not the full Ninth Circuit, uh, yes, Northern, Northern District of California. Yeah, so prior to this decision, the federal courts across multiple districts have consistently ruled that there's things you know and things you have. So a password or a PIN code. That's a thing you know. Or, yeah, that's a thing you know. A finger, a retina scan, a, you know, take a picture of your face. That's a thing you have. Mm-hmm. And they've ruled that, well, cops can't force you to give over information that you have, but they can force you to hand over uh, something, a physical thing that you have. So fingerprint, picture, retina, etc. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And I'm you know, fairly confident that this is going to work its way up to the Supreme uh, Court. Probably to the Supreme Court, it's going to be interesting to see what if the Supreme Court decides to hear the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what happens as it works its way, you know, as it works its way through the courts. Previously, U.S. judges had ruled that police were allowed to force unlock to force unlock devices, meaning to literally take your hand yes. and put your finger onto the because scanner. a finger is something you have. Devices like Apple's iPhone with biometrics, such as fingerprints, faces, or even irises. That was despite the fact that feds weren't permitted to force a suspect to divulge their passcode. Because that's a thing you know, and you can forget a thing you know. But according to this ruling uncovered by Forbes, and then they do actually link to that, all logins are equal. The order came from the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California in the denial of a search warrant for an unspecified property in Oakland. The warrant was filed as part of an investigation into a Facebook extortion crime in which a victim was asked to pay up or have an embarrassing video of them publicly released. The cops had some suspects in mind and wanted to raid their property. In doing so, the feds also wanted to open up any phone on the premises via facial recognition, a fingerprint, or iris. When the judge agreed that investigators had shown probable cause to search the property, 
or that while they'd shown probable, probable cause to search the property, they didn't have the right to open all devices inside by forcing unlocks with biometric features. On the one hand, Magistrate Judge Candace Westmore ruled the request was overbroad as it was, quote, neither limited to a particular person nor a particular device. But in a more significant part of the ruling, Westmore declared that the government didn't have the right, even with a warrant, to force suspects to incriminate themselves by unlocking their devices with their biological features. Now, previously, courts had decided that biometric features, unlike passcodes, were not, quote, testimonial. That was because a suspect would have to willingly and verbally give up a passcode, which is not the case with biometrics. Uh, yeah, it's another way of explaining what we right. The thing you have or the thing you know. A password was therefore deemed as testimony, but body parts were not, and so therefore not granted Fifth Amendment protections against self-incrimination. That created a paradox, according to Forbes. How could a passcode be treated differently uh, to, to a finger or face when any of the three could be used to unlock a device and expose a user's private life? And that's just what Westmore focused on in her ruling, declaring that technology is outpacing the law. The judge wrote that fingerprints and face scans were not the same as physical evidence when considered in a context where those body features would be used to unlock a phone. She wrote in her decision, quote, if a person cannot be compelled to provide a passcode because it's a testimonial communication, a person cannot be compelled to provide one's finger, thumb, iris, face or other biometric feature to unlock that same device. Now, I judge. pulled up, and I, I'm glad Forbes linked over to the decision. the decision. I've been scanning through it here. And something very interesting is mentioned here. It says, uh, hold on, let me uh, scroll back here. Courts have an obligation to safeguard constitutional rights and cannot permit those rights to be diminished merely due to the advancement of technology. And wow, then, that's a refreshing statement. And then it cites several different court rulings, has another couple of quotes, and then says citizens do not contemplate waiving their civil rights when using new technology. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court has concluded that to find otherwise would leave individuals at the mercy of advancing technology. Yeah, that's true. Most people don't think when they get their phone, hmm, will the police legally be able to force me to unlock this device? Maybe I should consider that when I, you know, decide how to lock the device. They don't right. think about that stuff. Right. Like, I've intentionally, I have a phone that does have mm-hmm. fingerprint uh, unlocking. I've intentionally not turned it on. Because you know. You are paying attention to the news. You are probably of 1% of the United States population right. that is aware of these court decisions. Right. That and I'm also aware that, you know, sometimes accidents happen and fingerprints get burned off. That's true as well. There's more coming up. Uh, the toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. But the good news is, Daryl, you can also do both. You can still have the punch code yes. and the fingerprint if you wanted to. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. we got more from the decision on the way. And your thoughts. Welcome. Bitcoin.com is delighted to announce their latest partnership with the gift card specialist at eGifter. With many of the world's leading brands on their roster, it is now easier than ever to get the gift cards of your favorite brands with Bitcoin Cash. To get started, just follow these simple steps. Visit giftcards.bitcoin.com, pick the gift card you want, follow the instructions on your screen, and make your payment using your Bitcoin Cash wallet. Sit tight and your gift card will be delivered to you as soon as it's ready. That's giftcards.bitcoin.com.
This is Free Talk Live, and you can dial in toll-free to join us. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Talking about a pretty important court decision. Now, it was just a federal court, lower court, district court there in Northern California that made the decision, but it's a big change to previous court decisions regarding uh, whether or not the police can force you to unlock a phone with biometric data, so fingerprint, iris scan. I've never heard of phones doing iris scans, but you know, facial recognition. Fa- facial recognition. Yeah, I, I don't know if any phones currently do it, but it is something that you it know, could be done. Uh, retina scans do exist for certain things. Correct. Uh, so saying it essentially that uh, this is. Uh, according to the story here over at Forbes, that whether it is your password or whether it is a piece of your body, some sort of physical evidence, that to this judge, it's all the same. She says, and I, I also think the reason they're listing iris scan is because they are referring to biometrics, right? And they're so, including all of the right, known so biometrics. Here are all of the things that we know of that could possibly be used as biometric. Uh, information. Correct. Quote from the judge, uh, the person, if a person cannot be compelled to provide a passcode because it's a testimonial communication, a person cannot be compelled to provide one's finger, thumb, iris, face, or other biometric feature to unlock that same device. Now, I doubt she's going to address this question, but what if you're asleep? So if it's illegal for the police to grab your arm while you're you know sitting on a you know you're sitting at an interrogation table and they're like all right you need to unlock that phone and they grab your hand and put it you know put your yep. finger on the the device and if, if you're asleep it would also be illegal sure but you wouldn't know <laughs> at that point uh, so i mean that's my concern is right like, but it- there are people that have their rights violated and they don't find out for years sure in some true. cases yeah, I mean, yes, I guess you would find out if it they use the data against you. It would be a violation. You. Yeah. But and would, you would later find out. If they use the information against you in some sort of right. charge. Uh, the undersigned finds that a biometric feature is analogous to the 20 nonverbal physiological responses elicited during a polygraph test, which are used to determine guilt or innocence and are considered testimonial. Polygraphs have also been thrown out in a number of states because they're largely unreliable. That's correct. Because it, it really is based upon... Heart rate and breathing. It can and be manipulated. If you get really angry because the guy's just asking you a bunch of stupid questions with the intent to get you angry, it's going to, oh, elevated heart rate. Your palms are starting to sweat. Uh, mm-hmm. You must be lying. You're guilty. Not necessarily. If a person, uh, let's see here, according to the story at Forbes, there were other ways to, or that the government could get access to relevant data in the Facebook extortion case that do not trample on the Fifth Amendment, said the judge. They could, for instance, ask Facebook to provide messenger communications, she suggested. Here's a hint. Don't use Facebook if you want secret communications. If, right. you, if you have something that uh, is important that you not have other people read, especially the police, don't send it over Facebook. Right. Do you want to use something encrypted? Yes. Now, of course, there's nothing perfect, and if they've, you know, cracked your phone or the NSA has secret access or whatever, then it probably won't matter what you use. But you can take a few basic steps to give you a little bit of extra privacy with your communications. When you're on Facebook, right. you have no privacy. There, it's just not there. Right. Uh, so she said, Facebook. Uh, 
According to the story, Facebook's been willing to hand over messages like that in a significant number of previous cases that Forbes has reviewed. Over recent years, the government has drawn criticism for its smartphone searches. In 2016, Forbes uncovered a search warrant not dissimilar to the one in California. Again, in the Golden State, the feds wanted to go onto a premises and force unlocked devices with fingerprints, regardless of what phones or who was inside. Andrew Crocker, senior staff attorney at the digital rights nonprofit Electronic Frontier Foundation, said the latest California ruling went a step further than he'd seen other courts go. In particular, Judge Westmore observed alphanumeric passcodes and biometrics serve the same purpose in unlocking phones. While that's a fairly novel conclusion, uh, the quote, uh, well, it's a fairly novel conclusion. This is from EFF. It's important that courts are beginning to look at these these issues on their own terms. In its recent decisions, the Supreme Court has made clear that digital searches raise serious privacy concerns that didn't exist in the age of physical search. A full forensic search of a cell phone reveals far more than a pat-down of a suspect's pockets during an arrest, for example. Now, I've got a few more quotes here from the the decision decision that... I find very fascinating. Uh, Judge says, as the government acknowledges, there are times when the device will not accept the biometric feature and require the user to type the passcode. Correct. Uh, So as Vincent mentioned, if the phone restarts, you've got to type in the passcode. Sometimes if you error it too many times, it'll also lock it out. And then you could also, I I think uh, several phones allow this, where you do... Uh, what's referred to as two-factor authentication, where you do, say, a fingerprint and a passcode. Oh, really? I think there are some phones that do allow for that. Mm. Uh, Continuing on here says, uh, this is no doubt a security feature to ensure that someone without the passcode cannot readily access the contents of the phone. Indeed, the government expresses some urgency with the need to compel the use of biometric features to bypass the need to enter a passcode. The urgency appears to be rooted in the government's inability to compel the production of the passcode under the current jurisprudence. Uh, And then it goes down. Secondly, requiring someone to affix their finger or thumb to a digital device is fundamentally different than requiring a suspect to submit to fingerprinting. A finger or Hmm. thumb scan to unlock a device indicates that the device belongs to the particular person. In other words, the act concedes that the phone was in the possession and control of the suspect. Because you could have had a phone that wasn't yours, I guess, right? Yeah. Like, let's say that uh, you leave your phone somewhere and mm -hmm. I'm just returning it to you. I get pulled over for something. Yeah, they tell you to open the phone up. Oh, uh, somebody driving this car was alleged to have robbed a bank or planned this, blah, 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 unlock mm-hmm. the phone. Well, it's not my phone. Unlock the phone. I can't unlock this phone. Right. And so being able to put your finger on there by force and then opening the phone would then confirm it is your phone. And if would if either it confirm phone, that it is or right. is not. And that could be used. Then, then, then that evidence can all be used against you. Right. And then, uh, you know, she's got more quotes and much longer. It's a nine page decision here. So it's relatively not that short long. <laughs> as far as relatively court decisions short, go. But as far as, you know, like yeah. just continuing to read what she yeah, wrote. Yeah, no. Uh, she is, by the way, a magistrate judge, as the final paragraph points out here. That is basically the lowest uh, form of a, a federal judge. She could be, of course, overturned by a district court judge, as happened in Illinois in 2017 with a similar ruling. 
The best advice for anyone concerned about government overreach into their smartphones, stick to a strong alphanumeric passcode that you won't be compelled to disclose. So I think that's uh, good advice here. This by no means is, you know, this isn't the Supreme Court, and it's a very, very long way from here to the Supreme Court. Uh, Whether or not anybody is going to appeal this ruling is another question. We don't know. I believe they will wind up appealing. Yeah, because it's no skin off their back. Well, and it also conflicts with existing court precedent. Right. And, you know, while this ruling can't be used outside of the Northern District of California Mm -hmm. as precedent, it could be looked at as judicially significant in other cases. Yeah. So there's the news for you. If you want to comment on security, uh, your thoughts are certainly welcome here. Our toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Now, we, I brought this up sort of in the context of, Vincent, your, your trip to Canada and experiences at the border. This doesn't likely apply to the border, would be my guess, uh, because there have been other rulings that say that a, a Border Patrol agent can demand you give them a passcode to get into your phone. You right. can refuse the demand, but they then confiscate your phone. Correct. And good luck getting it back. Because courts have consistently ruled that basically the Constitution doesn't apply at, at the border. border and you have no rights. At the border. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> they still hold on to the idea that you have rights within the United States, kind of. To uh, some extent. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. You can join us here. More coming up. Your thoughts welcome on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Dial in, toll free, take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Our number here, 855-450-FREE, like freedom. That's 855-450-3733. We've also got the Discord on air call in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. Uh, coming up here tonight, I know, uh, Vincent, you had some interesting news about, uh, let's see, uh, what was it, Cortez? This uh, Ocasio-Cortez yeah, wants was, to destroy the progressive movement? Oh, no, no, she wants to r- run a train on it. Okay, we'll, tell you, we'll talk more about that on the way. Plus, uh, Daryl, speaking of news, fake news, you wanted to get into who is it that's sharing this fake news? We're going to get into that coming up. But you had something else that you wanted to highlight from this judge's decision before we get into your calls, which we're going to take next. Yeah, so we you know, covered some excerpts from the decision. There is a story from Forbes, and in the conclusion, she says, for the reasons, and again, nine-page uh, decision here, Conclusion. For the reasons set forth above, the government search warrant application is denied. The government may not compel or otherwise utilize fingers, thumbs, facial recognition, optical iris, or other any other biometric features to unlock electronic devices. Furthermore, the government may only seize those digital devices that law enforcement reasonably believes are owned and or possessed by the two suspects named in the affidavit. Mm, okay. The government may submit a new search warrant application consistent with this order. Finally, the undersigned hereby seals the search warrant application, including all attachments thereto. This order, however, is a matter of public record and shall accordingly be issued a case number and docketed by the clerk of the court. So the idea being that she restricted them from being able to snatch up every single device. Right. In so the there's house. you know the the much broader uh, thing where the court said, yeah, you can't use fingers, thumbs, etc. Oh, and by the way, as it applies to this specific case, 
rewrite your search warrant Mm -hmm. and only take the things that you reasonably believe belong to the people that are the suspects. Now, of course, they're going to say everything they thought believed, well, you know, they believed everything belonged to the suspects. Everything in the apartment building. But, you know, it certainly is a stronger argument if the person has it in their back pocket as opposed to, you know, a phone sitting on a coffee table uh, where nobody's around it. So, interesting case. Uh, If we hear more, we're certainly going to let you know. If you hear more, before we do, you can call in and bring us the news. The toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. Tom is in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Vincent and Daryl. Yeah, this afternoon, I was driving down Canal Street in Nashua, and I had to make a right turn onto Main Street. Well, there was a police car in the left lane, and... I pulled up in the right lane, and, of course, there was a red light, so I stopped. Mm-hmm. And somebody behind me was honking their horn. And I guess they didn't know much about uh, the traffic laws in New Hampshire, but uh, when the light turned green, I went ahead and made the right turn. And uh, the Wait, you're not allowed car... to turn right on red in New Hampshire? Well, listen, see, I, I turned right on green. Uh, to go north on the main street, and uh, the cop car acted, activated the emergency lights and pulled somebody over. Uh, checked him, saw in the rearview mirror. I think it was the same car that uh, was honking the horn. Mm-hmm. See, in the state of New Hampshire, it's illegal to turn right on red if there are tr- uh, crosswalk lights that are not in steady don't walk mode. And that is crosswalk lights that, that aren't in don't walk mode. Meaning, if somebody is crossing at a crosswalk when there's the little the walk icon, you can't turn right then. If there's, uh, doesn't matter whether there's anybody in the crosswalk or not. The, Ridiculous. If there are crosswalk I, lights. If there I, are crosswalk lights. They have to be in steady don't walk mode. I knew nothing about that until a few years ago when my son was in driver ed, huh. and he told me about it. And you know, the funny thing is, I was teaching him how to drive. But in any case, now uh, I know the that there are some intersections the... where they'll have the right turn arrow, and if that mm-hmm. is red, then you can't turn. And some intersections have a sign that say no turn on or you know no right turn on red. I've seen right. that as well, and it yeah. just makes no sense at all. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, it's one of the easiest well, well, turns that anybody can ever make is to turn right on red. All you got to do is look and make sure nobody's coming, you know, careening into you. Yeah, uh, and you can now. Turn right. I, I do understand that there. are times where there might be a visual obstruction where you can't necessarily yeah. see and in Not that in the, case yeah. be safe don't do it that makes sense no doubt about yeah. it yeah. in the case i'm talking what about get, at, there's no visual obstruction whatsoever there's no no visual obstruction but you cannot turn right on red well the there if there are if there are crosswalk lights they have to be in steady don't walk mode huh. and a lot you see they told the cops about it and they told the driver ed teachers about it but nobody told everybody else about it well, yeah, you're supposed to find out the hard way when you get a ticket. Or, or if you listen to Free Talk Live and some, some blabbermouth calls up and goes on the air and, and tells everybody, uh, you know, about it. It reveals one of the... See, and ignorance of the law not only is no excuse, but then when I check the state's website to tell you the exact RSA, well, it's in the driver ed handbook that's online, but it's not in... Uh, they didn't update the statute. It's not and in the statutes. The, the, the discla- Right, so the statutes authorize the DMV to create a bunch of rules that they can just do on a whim. They don't have to ask any politicians for it. The statute, apparently it hasn't been updated in the 
statute thing that's online that has the disclaimer that says you can't really go by this one as a legal document. This is just for your easy reference. I, I took a look at that one, and under RSA 625.10, uh, which is what anybody would look under, uh, it, it doesn't say anything about uh, crosswalk lights having to be in steady don't-walk mode. So even if you check the statute I online, can't stand it, it, these stupid laws that prohibit people from using common sense. Thank you for the call, Tom. I appreciate it. The RSAs don't matter to me, uh, and they don't matter to most of our listeners. But certainly everybody out there knows that there's a bunch of dumb traffic laws yes. that have absolutely nothing to do with common sense. Like, oh, I don't know, stopping at a stoplight in the middle of the night when there's no one on the roads. I don't mind stopping so I can look around to make sure that there's no one coming. Right. But I'll blow right through those things after I've after I've stopped to check. I'm going through uh, because I got better things to do than sit around at an empty intersection and wait for some automated system to detect that I'm there. Right. Then change the light. Then go. I mean, how much time do people lose from their productive lives because of these stupid obedience devices that they're just supposed to follow without any kind of uh, thought? I have a bunch of Europeans and Canadians telling me how roundabouts are like, you know, there's for, for, more in like Europe and Canada. Are there? Just, uh, that there's v, people from the U.S. just don't understand them, that they're much better than lights. You don't get V. They uh, are better, in my opinion. And somewhere I read like the U.S. has v, some of the, like, the most amount of traffic laws, and yet it also compared to, you know, like Europe or, mm-hmm. or other places. The, but they also have the most amount of traffic fatalities or traffic accidents also. Right, because... Well, there's laws to protect people from running over pedestrians, <laughs> whereas in certain towns in Europe, they've just gotten rid of all of the speed limit signs in mm-hmm. you know downtown areas. They've gotten rid of uh, some of the crosswalk stuff. They've gotten rid of a lot of the things. People are actually paying attention. Right, because they're at a higher they're risk. They're not in this false sense of security. Right, well, at least they feel as though they're at a higher risk because it's a false sense of security. Uh, there was, there have been studies done on this as well in some of these European towns. I feel like Denmark uh, was one of the places. I mean, just think about it. If you take away, let's let's go with a cliff, right? You're, you're driving on a road, there's a cliff yep. nearby. Highly treacherous, right? But the government has put up barriers along the side of where the cliff is. So people will drive faster on that that area of the road because then they normally would right you know because they feel like the barrier is a protective factor and so therefore they can take the higher risk of i'll just go ahead and drive faster there's a barrier there whereas if there weren't a barrier there you better believe people be real concerned for where their car was in relation to the road as they're trying to navigate whatever twists and turns you're going around this uh, this uh, road i don't know if you've ever been up mount washington no i've not uh where they're a lot of sections of that on this winding road. They say it's a two-lane road. Mm. Cars are going both ways. It's barely a one-lane road. Really? Uh, but they've got traffic going both ways. Lots of sections. There's no barrier on the side because there's not room. And so you're at risk. And so maybe that... that... And people are driving you know, 10, 15 miles an hour, so right. it takes a long time to get, get up to the that six-mile road. That's a great point. I always saw those bumper stickers around. What is it? My car survived? Yeah, or my car made the trip. Made up the trip. Yeah. My car climbed. My car Mount Washington. Climbed. Right, and and I always wondered, like, so a bunch of people have done that, but now you're making it more clear to me, Daryl, that there's actually some risk involved in yes. driving the car up uh, Mount Washington. So maybe that sticker is actually somewhat meaningful. Like yes. you actually accomplished something. You didn't go careening. I wouldn't the... drive up it. Really? Did you go with somebody else driving? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, former TSA George. Oh, Who's now Uber George. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, toll-free number here if you want to join us. Hour number uh, two coming up. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. We're going to talk about fake news. Lots of people talked about fake news in the last year. And, Daryl, you've got a study about it. Yes. Who's sharing it? Uh, which, of course, people sharing fake news makes it worse. Uh, more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Hour two's next. Smart Cash is a peer-to-peer digital currency that is fast, secure, and easy to use. Smart Cash is building a foundation that can support daily transactions for people everywhere. One feature that sets Smart Cash apart is the Smart Hive governance model and how the community can vote to fund the best projects with block rewards stored in the Smart Hive project treasury. Unlike other cryptocurrencies with voting systems, Smart Cash allows everyone to participate. One smart equals one vote. Learn more at smartcash.cc. It's Free Talk Live, launching into the second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves here. Our number is 855-450-FREE. We got uh, news about Ocasio-Cortez, the new socialist, self-proclaimed socialist, uh, what is she, a U.S. congressperson now? Yes, yes. Vincent, you want to talk about that? That's coming up a little bit later. And also, uh, Daryl, you want to get into fake news. That's coming up right around the corner. But first, we're going back to the phones. And to the fun, Sarah is on the line in New Mexico to start things out this hour. Hello, Sarah. Yes. Um, hey, um, New Mexico, we came in number one again. Oh. But, uh, this, this time we're number one place for filmmakers. Huh. That's a surprise. Not Hollywood? Oh, we have to quadruple for no, no, tax brackets. Sorry, go ahead. Um, the, you know, Netflix. After they got settled in here in Albuquerque, that gave us the number one rating oh, for filmmakers. Is it? Are you sure it's number one, or is it like number one after Hollywood? Because I mean, Hollywood's pretty big. I I don't know if it's really true that I believe that New Mexico is number one. Like, how are they quantifying this number one? Do you have any idea? Well, you know what? Um, L.A. is out of the picture because they're they're too expensive. That's the reason that Albuquerque we got New Mexico we got number one. Because of the cost. Now, is this number one in the United States? Because I know there's a lot of production that moves to Canada uh, because I guess the same union rules don't apply, from what I understand, up in Canada. And I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, Vincent, but. uh, That's why a lot of TV shows are filmed. Because also, it's it's less expensive to film there because the U.S., even when the U.S. dollar wasn't um, better than the Canadian Mm -hmm. dollar. Also, you know, you have the same kind of talent. You have, uh, it's cheaper to film in Vancouver. Vancouver's big, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. because they could fill in for Detroit or New York. Yeah. I've heard about that. I've heard they've been using Vancouver for a long time. So is it just in the United States that you're saying uh, New Mexico is number one? Yeah, I I think it's the ranking within the 50 states. Mm -hmm. I found an article from the Albuquerque Journal, but they now require people to have a login to be able to read articles online. So I I can't actually... New Mexico debt to filmmakers approaches $250 Is it that one? No. uh, Because that was from... Title is... Albuquerque rises to number one in movie maker listing, but since I can't actually read the article, like I guess I can try to read around some of the 
uh, pop-ups here. I mean, but... Netflix is big, right? Like, there's no yeah. doubt Netflix is a monster company, and the fact that they're moving productions to New Mexico certainly does give it a lot of oomph, I imagine, in the uh, the, the business of uh, film production. So, I mean, Somehow I'll... I was able to get the uh, pop-up to go away, telling me to pay them $10 a month. Uh, it says, according to Movie Maker, in 2009, there were 44 states offering some form of incentive, but retrenchment has pared that down to 31 as of 2018. A uh, new industry titan has emerged. Atlanta and some rival cities are being held in check by the disinterest of their state governments. Looking at you, Lone Star State. While others make the right moves to become a regional powerhouse, such as our pick for number one this year, Albuquerque. How about that? Uh, but again, they uh, uh, without you know going further down into the article, I don't know how they're saying it's number one. Yeah. Unless it's just oh we think that There's Albuquerque is the best place for doing stuff because of these credits. Uh, it doesn't say it that, that. that movies made in Albuquerque have grossed more than movies made elsewhere. That makes more it, sense to me, Daryl, that it would be the incentives, meaning that, hey, filmmakers, where's the best place to go make your movie? Not to say that they're the most movies are being made there, but that yeah. if you want incentives, subsidies, you know, guaranteed access to certain locations or whatever it is that New Mexico is doing, they're saying that's the best well, place. There's also another story in Variety about uh, New Mexico as a, 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 a quote, well, state strong incentives are luring Hollywood. Those incentives might be in theory. I have one also. This is from December 18th, 2018 uh, from the Albuquerque Journal. It says New Mexico's backlog in unpaid incentives for the film industry could hit $250 million by the summer and reach seven. Hundred million in four years, an amount that would take fourteen years to pay off, even if filming stopped. A state economist said Monday. Sarah, um, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Toll free number eight fifty five four fifty three. Go to Vernon here in. Oh, well, sorry, Darryl, before we do, yep. you had asked if this was just the U.S. or yeah. if it was U.S. and Canada looking at the top ten cities: Albuquerque, Atlanta, Vancouver, British Columbia, okay. New York, L.A., Chicago, Toronto, Austin, Montreal. And Memphis, Tennessee. So three Canadian cities on this top ten list. Vernon, you're on. Go ahead. So can y'all hear? Yes. So yesterday y'all were talking about private security at airports. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, there are actually airports that have privately hired security. Yes, that, you there know, are. Airports are not obligated to to contract with the TSA. I think most airports just do because of That's the convenience correct. factor. But yes, you can actually hire out. To a private security company, as long as they meet TSA standards. Yep. And so, I, so I was just curious. So they also said, "Fly at your own risk," which, which actually brought a laugh to my. You know, I, I laughed because of, because like I couldn't imagine not wanting to be on an airplane that had not had their passengers screened for guns or weapons or anything like. Wait, like, wait, hold on. You couldn't imagine not. Wait, wait, wait. You couldn't imagine not wanting to. Meaning. Exactly. You want right. to be would, on? Would, would, just to clear, clarify, I would not we, want to be on a plane with people with guns or knives. You I mean, wouldn't want to be on a plane. Like, you I would realize that there, there's a high chance that you do fly on planes with people with guns right now. You mean like a federal agent? Yes. Oh, air marshal. Perhaps so. <laughs> but I guess I could consider them more trustworthy in a sense than I could some random person, you know, bringing a gun on this plane. I don't know. I mean, this is just my own personal opinion. Huh. Like, I, even even if it was done privately. So let me I, ask I this question. F- Hold on. Let, let me ask this question. Uh, do you think that people should generally be allowed to conceal carry? 
Uh, yeah, if you want to, but not on an airplane. <laughs> How about on a uh, a bus or walking down the sidewalk or sitting I inside have, a I restaurant? Have more, I, I'm a little hollow tube up in 30,000 feet above the air. On a sidewalk or on a bus, I could maybe jump out a window or maybe I could jump away. You know what I mean? But like on, a, on an airplane, I mean, you are stuck and there is no mm. way out. And, you know, to me, it's just I, and then and then if they're serving, you know, liquor like that's another place I probably want to be at is a bar. I mean, I know that they have bars where you can open carry and everything, but still, I mean, I just don't feel comfortable being around drunks and guns. You know, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe yeah, I mean, I though. think there's a lot of people who feel like you. And I think that if we actually had uh, the marketplace responding to, you know, creating their own security devices and setups and all that, uh, then some most airlines would probably be like you're suggesting, which is to say they would restrict people from carrying guns uh, on the flight. But maybe one of them would be willing to, you know, allow some sort of form of weapons, or maybe the allow the first time that, but the first time they got hijacked or they crashed. Ain't or, nobody going to hijack a plane suicide? with gun carriers on, it, brother. On. You, you know the best way to prevent hijacks from happening. Lock the door to the cockpit. That's a good one. Like That's there true. is a lock but on that door. Well, yeah, but what if you could shoot through it or something? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, like, what you single like, misplaced bullet could depressurize the entire. Like all it has to do is like one bullet could go through like a window or something, and it depressurizes exactly. the whole thing like it's on a plane. So it would be a suicide. <laughs> it, you know, it would be a suicide. Um, Wait a, a Suicide pack to. Does it to, really do like it does in the movies? Because I feel like we've addressed this before, and that's overblown. Mythbusters did a thing. It yeah. will depressurize, but right. it doesn't do the thing of a bullet. Suck through window causes a massive hole on the side of the plane <laughs> right so yeah, seriously it's like, going to depressurize but you could like put something over the hole and then land the emergency plane. land right <laughs> so, well, that's why all the, so, the, Ian, the masks come out so you could breathe yeah good vernon Ian, so on your on your flight to mexico yeah. would you seriously be comfortable like riding on a plane with a bunch of people carrying weapons i mean especially yes. guns Yes, I live in okay. New Hampshire where people carry guns basically everywhere. I've been in parking lots, I've been in restaurants, I've seen people sort of un- you know inadvertently flashing their concealed guns like, you know, dude unzips his coat at a restaurant, right. he, you can see it, you know, on the inside or uh dude get I literally had a dude in a parking lot get out of a, his car, rack his gun and put it in his uh his pants. This was back when uh it was illegal to actually carry a gun in a car if you didn't have a permit or right whatever and now they've changed that now you can do it but i mean he was literally handling a gun in the parking lot and you know he was safe about it he didn't point it at anybody it's all good uh, but if you're around people with guns then they actually help keep you safe so if you're on a plane thank you Vernon, for the call if you're on a plane and somebody wants and there's actually guns being carried by the people of that plane and somebody has it in their head they want to take that plane over that's going to last all of five seconds they're not going to even make it to the cockpit there's more coming up here in moments this is free talk live Talk live. You dial toll free. You can bring up anything you want. Our number is 855-450-free. 855-450-3733. Still to come, we got to talk about fake news and who's spreading it around. Daryl's got the story about that. Uh, but we were just talking with a caller a moment ago. I think it was Vernon who'd called in about uh, fear surrounding being on an airline uh, with other passengers who may be armed. Now, personally. I wouldn't mind being on an airline with other passengers who might be armed because, for the most part, 
people who are armed tend to take it pretty seriously. They know that they have the ability to end somebody's life, and they are very, very cautious. Some would say that actually having a gun makes you less likely to get into a fight. An right, it's like society no, is a polite society. Mm-hmm. Uh, to some extent, I slightly disagree well, I mean, p- with polite, the semantics yeah, 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 of no, that. Uh, but you know, if somebody is say a uh, third degree black belt in jujitsu, mm-hmm. they're not going to go around picking fights. Because right. they know that they They'll could seriously it. hurt somebody right. or kill them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're talking about airlines, airports. Uh, actually, Mark just got off an airplane. Mark, who is our uh, normal, one of our normal co-hosts here on Free Talk Live, he's been flying today. And I asked him, uh, knowing that he was going to be flying, and we've been talking about the TSA callouts, how uh, the numbers of TSA agents who've been just calling in sick uh, have doubled what they normally are. Like we read a story last night. Normally, it's about three-ish percent or so, and it's now like seven-plus percent uh, that that are calling out. So there's a large number of TSA agents that are calling out. TSA is trying to downplay it, saying, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. It hasn't really impacted anything. Most people don't have to wait more than 15, 30 minutes in line. Uh, But down at uh, the Atlanta airport, they were clocking in at more than 60 minutes in the lines. Now, Atlanta is apparently the busiest airport in the United States, so there is that. Um, Busiest in the world, I believe. But Mark is, yeah, I think you might be right. Uh, But Mark is actually on the line with us right now on our Discord server, on the Discord on-air call-in line rooms from Miami, where he's at the North American Bitcoin Conference for the next couple days, ending on the 18th. Uh, So if you want to meet Mark and stop by the Bitcoin.com booth, he's going to be hanging out there, I guess, uh, for a a good portion of it. And he's hard to miss. He now has green hair. So just look for the guy wearing a suit with green hair. Oh, no, wait. You're going to be wearing your king outfit, Mark? Yeah, I intend to wear the king outfit tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) But you're going to have your hair on display, right? For others, you're not going to cover it up with like a king? I'm not even sure I brought the the one crown. I have a particular crown that I like with that king outfit. I'm not sure I brought that one. I do have my other plush crown. Okay. And uh, you're there uh, with the family, and you're going to be hanging out at the Bitcoin.com pop-up store. They'll be setting people up with Bitcoin Cash and showing them how to use the Bitcoin.com wallet. Now, of course, you don't have to go to Miami to get the Bitcoin.com wallet. You can just go to wallet.bitcoin.com and get it there. And then if you want to load it up with a little bit of free BCH, Bitcoin Cash, you just go to free.bitcoin.com. So uh, check it out over the uh, Bitcoin.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things crypto. So, uh, Mark, give us the uh, the TSA report. What'd you do? Fly out of uh, Hartford? Yeah, flew out of Hartford uh, nonstop to Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. And? And, well, um, showed up at the airport and brought my heavy bags full of radio equipment and had to pay extra at uh, Spirit. Uh, so I checked the bag for whatever that fee is and then another $30 because it was nine pounds, uh, 49 pounds instead of 40 pounds. Oh, interesting. Got- now, Spirit's one of these cheapy nickel-dime you kinda- They nickel-and-dime you to death, and yeah. if you want, say, a window seat, pay extra. you can pay for a seat assignment prior to getting to the uh, airport. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, once you get to the airport, they just randomly assign you a seat. But, gotcha. you know, like, I've got back problems. The middle seat or the aisle seat don't really work for me a window seat i can at least you know kind of like slouch to the side uh the one time i flew spirit i noticed that their seats don't recline Ooh, nope plastic molded packing them in like sardines um, yeah 
I think it's great. I'm, I'm, you know, ready to pay $69 for a seat and then pay for the upgrades along the way. Cause a lot of times I'm not checking a bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I've got, they charge you for a carry on, do they? They sure do, but <laughs> you get a personal item. Okay. Every airline allows you, you know, the personal, you shove it under the seat. Right. They're like, oh, you want sure. to put something Carol? in the overhead bin? 35 bucks. If you forgot to pay, if you forgot to pay for the uh, carry on, and then you remember when you get to uh, the airport, it's like 100 bucks. Nope. Man. Um, so Mark likes to razz me for being cheap, but you I'm telling you. With, when you buy your ticket, you can pay for it when you're getting your ticket from the little kiosk. You can pay for it if you're early enough at the desk. And then if you're trying to walk in with a carry-on, you're like, um, you don't know the rules. Yep, you're going to get, I think it, you're going to get clobbered. I think it's for $55. Okay, I know the one time that I flew, it said that if you don't pay online uh, prior to getting to the airport, it's $100. So you flew with them once and then never again. Correct. Yeah. And the only reason I bought the ticket with them is it was like $70 cheaper than the next thing. But you didn't know. And then after, (laughs) oh, I've got to pay for this. I've got to pay for that. The only thing that they don't charge you for is using the bathroom because they've not found a way to charge people for using the bathroom. They don't want people to have a mess because that's going to (laughs) happen. If you just keep charging people for the bathroom, somebody's going to try to hold it. I'll pee in a bucket. It's not going to work. All right, so Mark, what was the TSA experience like? Because last night we talked about uh, the lines allegedly getting longer, but TSA is trying to downplay it, saying there's no real uh, impact in most airports. So what was your experience? You've flown out of Hartford before. How did it compare? Um, It was uh, the fastest I've ever gone through the line. Wow. Um, Did you pay the uh, $7 to wind up getting the Spirit pre-check thing? Nope, it's six, hmm. and I did not pay it. Um, wow! I'm just you know, I, so what cheap. do I got? I got plenty of time, <laughs> and so sure, I'm not going to pay that extra. I'm not paying five dollars extra for nothing. Was there you any? Uh, did, did you feel <laughs> as though the TSA sweet. was reduced in numbers at that airport, or was it pretty standard looking to you? I could have cut half that crew. They were standing around chatting. Huh. All right, interesting. I mean, you know, whatever. Maybe the managers are calling everybody in hmm. so that when People call out. They still have a big enough crew. You know, it's probably creating a managerial uh, nightmare. But what I saw, and I sat there afterwards because I knew you'd be grilling me. Um, I sat there and watched them. Hmm. Um, after they got to see my green hair, they probably thought I was stalking them or something. Yeah, God they don't knows. like it when you watch them. And what was that? I said they don't like it when you watch them. That's suspicious behavior. Well, they don't like people with green hair either. Right. <laughs> And so I sat there and I watched and I um, saw just a bunch of people standing around. All right. So things are as normal, if not faster than normal, at the very least at the Hartford Airport. There's your uh, TSA report. Now, from one Mark. thing one thing that I find interesting is I've seen several reports that air traffic controllers who also currently getting aren't paid. getting paid. Yep. They're not having the same call out problems. Interesting. Or maybe they're just they more probably dedicated. Take a little more seriously. There's yeah. this important. <laughs> maybe they're better at saving their money too. Hey, thanks, Mark. Anything else you want to share, real fast? Go ahead. Nope, that's it. I'm just looking forward to the North American Bitcoin Conference tomorrow. Anybody wants to come out and see me, I should be upstairs by the green room doing interviews. All right, excellent. Green room for the man with the green hair. Yeah, that's perfect, Mark. Thanks for the <laughs> call for and thanks for the update uh, on the TSA. We appreciate yep. that. Uh, there's more on the way with your calls and thoughts. You're welcome to join us. Sounding good there, by the way. On. 
the Discord on-air call-in line room. You can sound that good. Almost like you're sitting here in the studio with us. All you got to do is join our Discord server. Just go to discord.lrn.fm. And this is Free Talk Live. we got more coming up. Your call's welcome. You want to know the 37 items you must have to survive a crisis? Then I've got some good news for you. Former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author, Jason Hansen is now giving listeners a free copy of his book, The Escape Bag Blueprint, 37 Items You Must Have to Survive a Crisis. You can claim your copy at freeescapebook.com. Don't delay. Jason reveals the guns, knives, flashlights, and water filters that could save your life in an economic collapse or grid-down event. Get your free book today, freeescapebook.com. freeescapebook.com. Yeah, it's Free Talk Live. You dial toll-free and join us here on the radio if you want. The number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Coming up, fake news. And who is guilty of spreading it more than anybody else? Daryl's got some of the numbers on that. We'll share it with you. Coming up, and you, of course, can take control of the airwaves. That's the point on Free Talk Live as we go to the phones, in this case to the Discord on-air call in line. The first one where Galactos is on the line. Yeah, it's uh, Vine Ripen Galactos, uh, a.k.a. Mortified Penguin <laughs> from Virginia. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Just uh, giving you a call. Um, yeah, um, Mr. Free- Mr. Freeman, um, how's it in the studio tonight? Is there a lingering scent of uh, burnt sulfur in the air? Um, no. From last night? Yeah, well, I wanted to call about uh, property rights, and namely the... Hoppian and caps and ethno staters and, and national socialists and, and such that claims to be so in, intently uh, anti communist and to be fighting a fight against communists when I see the strongest authoritarian communists and I don't say it lightly like a lot of you know voluntarist types but the, the, I see the really strong um, authoritarian communist traits coming from them namely oh, yeah. Uh, a group of people that will claim that a given landmass is the collective property of a of a certain race of people, um, and, and it's a collective property, and um, obviously based on authoritarianism and force, and they have the right as a collective as a uh, group to um, defend that property, quote unquote, to remove people from that property that they deem unfit and so on. So I just think it's uh, really hypocritical for a group of so-called anti-communists to be the the only real functionally communist people um, spouting nonsense in the political realm. Well, I mean, they're not they're not technically communists, but they are statists. They're arch statists and they're violent uh, statists. And so they're just as bad in that way as the communists that they claim to hate. And you're referring to an interview that we conducted, Johnson and I, uh, along with Aria DeMezzo last night, of uh, one Christopher Cantwell, uh, who was in for a, a special episode of an after show that shall remain nameless uh, at this point. But uh, that was what happened last night, and he revealed very clearly that uh, he's an arch statist. He even says that, well, I'm writing up a piece for a free keen about it, that uh, he even says, I think, quote, I want to be the government. And like L'état c'est moi. That's exactly what the Sun King said. <laughs> he uh, has completely embraced the idea of the state. Has completely rejected the ideas. Did of he call himself liberty. a nationalist? 
I didn't ask him specifically, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. I mean, he certainly allies himself with those people. But I think the oh, funny thing is – way beyond nationalist. To, yeah. to me, he's no different than uh, Amanda Bolden, who was a, a Free State Project participant who moved to New Hampshire, who was a self-proclaimed anarchist. Chris was also a self-proclaimed anarchist. And Amanda Bolden, instead of going to the right, as Chris has done, she went to the left and became hostile, like verbally hostile towards libertarians. She's not just like somebody who uh, – there's another young lady who was also a free stater who went kind of to the left, Elizabeth Edwards. But Elizabeth Edwards in a blog post, she kind of explained her mentality and why she'd gone the direction she had and still expressed that she was still friends with her libertarian friends. Amanda Bolden has completely kicked every libertarian you know that I know of to the curb, and is, has actually right, going insulted so far them. as to say that uh, she regretted allowing libertarians to work with charity, sharing her charity, which helped feed yes. people, and it was libertarians who who basically funded and volunteered and made that possible yes. uh, for her. So yeah, she's completely gone against what brought her here in the first place. So she's sort of like the leftist version of Chris Campbell. She's certainly nowhere near as shrill and as uh, as offensive, you know, on 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 her face as Chris. But they both have the same belief. You know, they both have the belief that their way is the right way and that their way should be enforced at the threat of violence. And that's ultimately, you know, so you can't really call Chris a communist because he doesn't believe in communism, but he certainly does believe in the use of the state and the violence of the state uh, to enforce his way upon people, um, you know, with, well, with deadly force if though, um, It does seem like he embraces a collective ownership of uh, property based on um, ethnic or racial lines and – to, to some extent, that's, uh, uh, I think, exactly authoritarian communism. Well, I don't think that so he would call a, it collective like, ownership. I think that uh, he would say it would be private property. And, you know, and, and if it is private property, then you should have whatever rules you want on and that. And the private, private collective is the state. In this case, he does believe in the state. So, yeah. Oh, I think trying to label one like communism or fascism, I think both are just the uh, the end result of not even extreme, just regular authoritarianism. It's like in 1984, it said the 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 fascist the, the dictatorship whether it's fascist or communist isn't the safeguard of revolution. The revolution is the safeguard of the dictatorship. Mm-hmm. It's 1984, George Orwell. That's a good quote. Penguin. Yeah, I should have paid more attention to that in school. <laughs> they made you read it in Good. school. Yeah, in high school. So that uh, was pretty. That was pretty cool, though. Yeah, they didn't make me read that one. They did. They did have some Orwell book. What was it? Animal Farm. Oh, I Andy, that was yeah, the I think. I think it was the AP uh, English lit class where I went to school, mm-hmm. read Animal Farm. So uh, anything else you want to share with your thoughts on that, Penguin? No, just just that. Just went, kind of want to spit it out. I, I kind of uh, forgot that line of thinking um, last night. But, uh, yeah, I, I've definitely heard that line of thinking um, you know, expressed, and it totally kind of clicked when hearing, hearing that guy talk. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Now, there's a quote from a nonfiction piece here from Frederick Bastiat. The law? From the law. He uses the term protectionism to describe what is essentially fascism. But the word fascism didn't exist when he wrote this. Gotcha. He says it should be pointed out, however, that protectionism, socialism, and communism are basically the same plant in three different stages of its growth. Mm. All that can be said is that legal plunder is more visible in communism because it is complete plunder, and in protectionism because the plunder is limited to specific groups and industries. Thus, it follows that of the three systems, socialism is the vaguest, the most indecisive, and consequently the most sincerest stage of development. 
That was a good book. I remember that one. Uh, it's a short one, too. So anybody yeah. that wants to read a good old book, it's not too hard. You know, there's a lot of older books, kind of the language is a little hard to follow. That one wasn't that one. I didn't find it difficult. Right. And I think the English translation of this is within the last, like, 50, 60 years. Oh, so they used more recent verbiage. That makes sense. I didn't even think that it was originally written in, what, French or something like French. that? French. <laughs> uh, the original title was Le Loi. Ah. La, oh, La Loi. L-O... L-E-L-O-I. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't speak French, so I'm just going to, you know, like, pronounce it how I pronounce it. But Vincent does, so it's good that we have him here. Uh, If you want to comment, you're welcome to join us. The toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. So uh, a lot of people feel very strongly about uh, the interview that happened last night. It is available on our Twitch channel right now. At some point, I'll extract it to the YouTube so it doesn't get deleted. Um, I do know that uh, people feel very strongly about the person we interviewed, uh, Chris Cantwell, and uh, and I expected some people to be upset about it, but I think it was an important interview because it lets him speak for himself, but in a place where he's challenged on his views. Johnson and I were in the studio. We're very familiar with him. We did a, a show with him a few years previous, and so it was almost like a kind of a recap or an update uh, to that, we get to find out what had happened to him in recent months since he was in jail down in Charlottesville, Virginia. So we kind of recap that story to an extent. And then we got into just a bizarre, uh, just a, some of the interview was just so flummoxing and uh, confusing. I mean, ha- having him being a libertarian in the past and now no longer being a libertarian, he holds these views. One of them, the, his view on um, uh, prohibition is just it's hard to even really explain um, on one hand, he uses cannabis, which he admits to. But on the other hand, he says that he thinks prohibition should continue. On the other hand, now we're on three hands now, but on the other hand, he says that he sees the value in harm reduction. And further, that he believes that we would be that, that he sees the value and that it, there would be like a 90 percent. It would be like I forget the, the term he used, but they, he seemed to also see the value in decriminalization. But when I asked him if he supported decriminalization, he said no. So, like, he has all these weird, uh, very just confusing views on prohibition, all the while fully supporting the idea that prohibiting things can somehow stop their use, even though he knows from his own personal experience that that's not true. So that's just one example of how bizarre uh, the conversation was and frustrating as well. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything that you want. Our number is 855-453-LIKE-FREEDOM. That's 855-450-3733. We've also got the Discord on-air call-in line rooms. Daryl, can you tell me about Smart Cash? Yes, I can. It's a newer cryptocurrency. Uh, I, I say newer. It's been around for... A couple years? About a year and a half, yeah. I think. Uh, and, you know, like most cryptocurrencies, they uh, say that they're peer-to-peer. They're obviously a digital currency. They're fast, secure, and easy to use. And by easy to use, you know, I mean they've got uh, an app for your smartphone. They've got, you know, GUI uh, applications that you can use on laptops. You, you know, if you want to do command line, you can but you're not required to. They do make it 
easy. And they're trying to make it easy because they want people to actually use Smart cash. Dude, it could not be any easier. Um, You've got a proposal in right now over there on uh, the Smart Cash Proposals site. Yes. And I booted up the Smart Cash uh, app on my uh, laptop, and then I clicked on the proposal and voted on it. I mean, there is no, like, you don't have to, like, go through some sort of registration process or any of that stuff. It's just right there in the app. Yeah. And you mentioned the voting system where one smart equals one vote. If you've got 10,000 smart, that's... 10,000 votes. So your vote is weighted based on the number of smart that you have. Whereas some of the other cryptocurrencies that have voting systems, if you don't have 10,000 or however many, you don't don't get to vote. You can't. And then let's say it's one of those where you need 10,000, you've got 20,000. Unless you have those in separate uh, wallets, you get one vote that is one vote Mm -hmm. uh again here one smart is one vote and they also have smart rewards which we should find out in about a week and a half in uh, if our wallets qualified which they should should. have Uh, i think we just got in too late in november to qualify for the rewards that came out in december right once a month once a month, and you need to hold at least 1,000 smart, again, so, for at least one month. And that's less than 20 bucks right now for 1,000 smart. Yeah, it's like 14 bucks, right. And you need to not have any outgoing transactions from that wallet mm-hmm. during the time period from when they take the snapshot until they issue the rewards. And the rewards are sent out every 47,500 blocks, which, again, is roughly, roughly a, a month. month. And you also need to keep the smart in an address that you control the private keys to. So if you have them Which is in... most wallets. Right. Yeah. Well, if you have in an exchange that's not eligible, right. uh, you know, there might be a wallet somewhere that doesn't give you access to the private keys. But as long as you control the private keys, then you're eligible as long as, again, at least 1,000 smart and no outgoing transactions during the month, month as long as you hit the snapshot date. Smartcash.cc. Is yes. where you can go to learn more. It's a pretty nice looking site too, so it's easy to navigate. Check it out. Smartcash.cc. Uh so you can bring up whatever you want here. Toll-free numbers 855-450-free. There's breaking news, by the way, this evening about a Georgia man being arrested for allegedly plotting to attack the White House. That is a developing story. We we might check in on that uh, coming up in the third hour. But, Daryl, you wanted to get into the fake news issue, specifically who has been sharing fake news. Yeah, and, you know, it's fairly interesting, I think. And according to whom? Uh, Story here is from the Associated Press. Uh, It's an ABC 6 channel that is uh you know reporting here but they yep. cite associated press and there was actually some study that was done by princeton university and nyu they get into i'll just jump into the article they say sharing fake news on facebook is old people over 65 and ultra conservatives shared about seven times more fake information masquerading as news on the social media site than younger adults, moderates, and super liberals during the 2016 election season, according to a new study. The first major study to look at who is sharing links from debunked sites finds that not many people are doing it. 
On average, only 8.5% of those studied, about one person out of 12, actually shared fake news during the 2016 campaign, according to the study that was recently published in the journal Science Advances. But those doing it tend to be older and more conservative. Hmm. Does that mean they're more gullible? Because they're just being you know, they're being fooled by the fake news, presumably? Uh, there are some quotes here, and then right. they do, you know, again, cite the study several times. Uh, study co-author Jonathan Nagler, a politics professor and co-director of the Social Media and Political Participation Lab at NYU, said for something to be viral, you've got to know who shares it. Wow, old people are much more likely than young people to do this. Facebook and other social media companies were caught off guard in 2016 when Russian agents, more likely Russian bots, uh, were exploiting their platform to meddle with the U.S. presidential election by spreading fake news, impersonating Americans, and running targeted advertising to try to sway votes. Since then, the companies have thrown millions of dollars and thousands of people into fighting fake news. Researchers at Princeton University and NYU in 2016 interviewed 2,711 people who used Facebook. Of those, nearly half agreed to share all their postings with the professors. Okay. The researchers used three different lists for fake news sites, one compiled by BuzzFeed and two others from academic research teams, and counted how often people shared from those sites. So they grabbed the database because uh, you know Facebook will let you actually export all the data that they ostensibly have. The yep. fact that they use BuzzFeed as as a uh, as a source or any sort of uh, f- I'm not saying it, it's fake. I'm just saying the fact that they use BuzzFeed as any sort of authority already cast my doubts. But. <laughs> then to double well, then check, they, they ran through the database with the cross checking to see did any of the URLs they shared match up. Basically. Right. Then to double check, they looked at 897 specific articles that had been found false by fact checkers and saw how often those were spread. All those lists showed similar trends. When other demographic factors and overall posting tendencies are factored in, the average person over 65 shared more fake information than those between 18 and 29. Hmm. The seniors shared more than twice as many fake stories as people between 45 and 64, and more than three times that of people in the 30 to 44-year range. The simplest theory for why older people shared more fake information is a lack of digital literacy, said study co-author Joshua Tucker, also co-director of the NYU Social Media Political Lab. Probably that's a big factor, but on the other hand, it's probably also because elderly folks, uh, a lot of them are easily taken advantage of. There are, and have been for many years before the internet, a lot of scams, for instance, that will target uh, older folks, people who might be suffering from early uh, onsets of dementia or Alzheimer's, uh, they're just not as with it as they once were and therefore easily able to be taken advantage of by a criminal who might want to empty their bank account or charge them for some sort of service they never actually ordered but tries to convince them that they actually did order it and that they owe him money or, you know, there's all kinds right. of these things. Uh Researchers said seniors may not tell truth from lies on social networks as easily as others. Harvard Public Policy and Communications professor Matthew Baum, who was not part of the study but praised it, said he thinks sharing fake information is, quote, less about beliefs in the facts of a story than about signaling one one's partisan identity. 
That's why efforts to correct fakery don't really change attitudes and one reason why few people share fake information. When other demographics and posting practices were factored in, people who self-identified as very conservative shared the most false information. Now, the alleged fake news was sort of designed to target those people, right? I mean, they were the people who were purportedly the ones who were intended to be fooled, right? The, was how much, of, how much of the fake news was sort of targeted at conservatives versus fake news that was targeted targeted at uh, you know, liberals? They don't mention that. Yeah, I mean, I just, and right, and, and how would we really know anyway? What, but if the claim was that the Russians were trying to manipulate, et cetera, et cetera, then maybe they were the intended target demographic. Right. The very conservative People in this study shared misinformation 6.8 times more likely or more often than the self-identified very liberal and 6.7 times more than moderates. I mean, if you came up with uh, fake news that had to do with Kanye West and uh, what's his wife's name? Kim Kardashian. Kim, Kim Kardashian. You know, if it was about Why do I know that? if it was about something Kanye did that was completely fabricated, right. then it would probably be shared more often by younger people who care about those people than it would by older people who probably don't even know who Kanye West is. You've got more? There is more, yes. Uh, on fake news. And what's the difference between fake news and satire? There's more on the way here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. If you want to join us, you can take control of the airwaves. Hour 3 is next. Free Talk Live. Is spreading the message of liberty, cryptocurrency, and peace around the globe worth $2 per month to you? As you may already know, in addition to our internet feed, LRN.FM broadcasts on free-to-air satellite across North and Central America, as well as Sub-Saharan Africa, and we've been available on satellite for free 24-7 since 2010. The LRN.FM free-to-air satellite signal is reaching some of the most oppressive regimes in the world, and there's no doubt our ideas are making an impact. You can learn more about the channel's impact by watching the three-minute video at fund.lrn.fm. If you'd like to help free minds globally with our ideas of liberty, cryptocurrency, and peace, you can donate as little as $2 per month via fund.lrn.fm. You can help us continue and expand our satellite broadcast to multiple continents. Visit fund.lrn.fm today, and thank you for your help. Don't forget to share the link on social media. That's fund.lrn.fm. It is Free Talk Live, and you can dial in toll-free here. Our number is 855-450-FREE-LIKE-FREEDOM. That's 855-450-3733. We've got the uh, Discord on air call-in line rooms over there for you as well over at discord.lrn.fm. Just jump in any one of those that you want. We'll get you on the air, and you'll sound almost like you are sitting in the studio here with us. It's Ian. Vincent. And Daryl. Uh, coming up here tonight, Vincent, you've got a story about this. Our Ocasio-Cortez, the new socialist, self-avowed socialist uh, U.S. representative from, I think, New York State? Yes. If I recall correctly. Uh, so we can get into that. Uh, she apparently wants to give a, a, a fist to or give a fisting to She wants the, to uh, run a train. Run a train, run that's a right. Run a train on, on, <laughs> on the, the progressive movement uh so we can get, <laughs> we can get into that coming up here in moments so let's go first though to the phones to the phone we got david in new mexico he says he's calling from jail you're on free talk live hello david yeah hey bubba give me that soap yeah <laughs> funny hey 
Am I on? I'm pretty sure they don't actually doing? let you have the phone in the bathroom. But uh, rape is real, David. It's not funny. Man, I, man, I got, I got, no, they got, they got the prison rape, uh, something, something uh, act here. So we're, we're all protected, man. Are and, you uh, actually got, calling I, I from jail? Of course, I'm calling from jail, man. You said I was going to jail, so are you, you, you would you be wrong? Well, sure, I can be wrong. And no, I didn't say for sure you were going to jail. You had called last <laughs> night uh, saying that you were arrested for having missed a court date. You did a failure to appear, as they call it in court. Uh, you were then arrested, yep. brought in front of the court, and the court, instead of arraigning you right then, set another date for another arraignment. And you told us last night that today was going to be the day for that arraignment and that you intended to skip that arraignment as well, so that you intended to, again, purposefully miss court a second time. And I said, you know, there's a chance you're going to jail because if you keep telling a judge you're going to be somewhere and you know going to be in court and you don't go more than once, it's likely that they're going to ratchet up the penalties on you for that. They could hit you with a jail sentence for what they call contempt of court, and that can be for as little as a night, and it can be for as long in many states as six months without any kind of check. I mean, they can do longer than six months, but then they have to like answer to some panel of uh, other judges in that case. So I guess you're right. calling to brag because you missed a court date without getting arrested quite yet? Oh, probably, yeah. Oh, hey, first of all, as, a, as an airline transport pilot, I would prefer by 100 miles that every single passenger be armed behind me than, than that nobody was armed. Okay. Um, so there, there, there's that. And, uh, oh, and uh, cell phones in prisons. I've seen on uh, a dozen occasions prisoners in Florida and one other southern state broadcasting live uh, on the Internet from inside the, the prison with cell phones, smartphones that they bought from prison guards. Hmm. Yeah, right. I, anyway, I knew a guy but, who was able to get uh, not only the components to make a tattoo, uh, tattooed gun or whatever it's called, but he was able to get an Xbox put in his jail. And he was in some, uh, fed- <laughs> he was in like some, really? like yeah, yeah, I think he said he was. It was one of the southern prisons, and yeah, he wow. he said he he made moonshine in prison. He made all yep, sorts. Yeah, they of do stuff. that. Yeah, that's true. But I, I'm I'm still yeah. stuck. So why would you why would you skip? You know, because obviously we hear people getting you know beating whatever charges because a cop doesn't show up to her court dates. But why would you uh, miss a court date when you say you're going to be there? Isn't that very rude? Why would well, you do because, such a thing? Well, because because as I was telling Ian, I I had filed a, a perfectly valid, very critical motion, and the and the judge just flat out ignored the motion. And and if, and uh, and required me to show up, and and that was something that I was going to end up taking to the federal court. But like I said, we happened to know who the pro tem judge was going to be today, and we knew his his uh, the way that he behaved in the courtroom, and he did exactly as we predicted, and uh, and and honored the motion, and did not uh, require me to to be in attendance or sanction me for failing to appear. I did fail to appear. And but, but what they did is he just threw out the hearing, threw out my hearing and rescheduled it for later uh, and so that there's time to consider the, the various motions that I had filed. So just so, to be clear, um, your attorney went into the courtroom, but you weren't present. The, pu- the public defender went into the, the courtroom. Yes. OK. Well, that's a little bit different because and, then you have your legal well, representation there in court and right, they can make motions there, on your but, behalf. But, but I wasn't there, and the the the, previous, the judge that had denied my motion specifically said she wanted my physical body yeah. in the courtroom, and that she would not reconsider that. And I and I was directly defying that because of all of the different things that that I knew, and it turned out I was correct. 
Gotcha. Well, good for you. So uh, where does this go from here, David? So now they'll schedule another hearing somewhere down the line uh, with plenty of time to consider the the other valid motions that I've that I've filed. Um, And then once they consider the motions that I've filed, then there will be no problem with coordinating with the court to go forward with them getting their butt kicked. But uh, they need to consider my, my motions or act on my motions before we can go forward. Well, best of luck to you. You're, you're facing a case where you were arrested for uh, basically telephone harassment after calling back a radio station when they told you to not call them back. Your argument is it's a public radio station. You should have a right to call and that they shouldn't be able to prevent you. And it's an interesting claim. Thank you for the call tonight. Uh, we'll see how that develops for him over time. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. Uh, from, uh, let's see here, we, we want to get into the Cortez thing, or we still have fake news, right? We yeah, still, we've still got okay. some stuff about the fake news. This fake news uh, study that uh, they looked at posts, thousands and thousands of posts by people yep. on Facebook and such, and they found that elderly people, over 65, yep. were more likely than any other age group, by significant factors yes. it sounded like, uh, to actually share fake news stories. And people who identified as very conservative were also. also more likely at about the same rates, whereas like 7% uh, more likely for those over 65 to share fake news than people aged 18 to 29, and it was 6.8% more likely that uh, self-described very conservative people would share fake news than people that were self-described as very liberal and 6.7 times more likely than people... Uh, described as moderates. But what's not clear is whether or not they were sharing news that was sort of designed to appeal to them. Right, and that's the next uh, paragraph here where one of the researchers, Jonathan Nagler, said he was not surprised that conservatives in 2016 shared more fake news, but he and his colleagues said that doesn't necessarily mean that conservatives are by nature more gullible when it mm-hmm. comes to this sort of thing it could simply reflect that as you speculated ian that there was much more pro trump fake news that right. was posted during that time period however uh his partner on this study said in an email that conservatives post more fake news because they tend to be more extreme with quote, less ideological variation than their liberal counterparts, and they take their lead from President Trump, who advocates, supports, shares, and produces fake news and <laughs> fake information on a regular basis. The researchers looked this at differences. This does seem a little biased. Well, I mean, like, I, I, I'll let you finish, but my, my reservation when I first heard that was, you know, like, who's definite, like, their definition of fake news. I mean, I don't doubt that a lot of things that they shared were absolutely fabricated, Their definition falsified. of fake news was... Things that had been proven to be factually incorrect. Well, but that's the thing with like Snopes and they have like these fact checkers who all, in a lot of cases are biased themselves or there's different interpretations of things. And so, I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I agree with Ian, but probably there is some bias in that. Like, I mean, CNN and Fox News are both considered mainstream and I view both of them equally as fake news. They're just propaganda outlets and they spew out things that's fake all the time. But because they have, you know, big money behind them, people just, you know, they're like, oh, well, they're establishment. So I don't think they can consider that as fake news but a source like free keen which you know isn't news but you know might tell the truth they'd say oh that's fake news because ian's a uh, radical extremist blogger the now, uh, researchers wait, 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 go back one one moment into that last paragraph daryl that you'd shared uh the statement about what's different one of between the conservatives. researchers one of the researchers 
Uh, this is not as right. part of the official right, study. Right, right. This is one of the researchers expressing an opinion yep. about why he thinks conservatives post more fake news. He said that they tend to be more extreme with less more ideological extreme. variation than their liberal counterparts and take their lead from Donald Trump. That's probably true. They're taking the lead from Donald Trump. But what does it mean they're more extreme and they've got less ideological variation between each other as compared to liberals? What's the ideological variation between liberals versus versus more infighting on, I've seen more fight, more infighting on conservative sides than liberal sides. For me, that's... They all probably infight over stupid crap. I mean, but just like more... There's more coming up. Less unity. Uh, We got more from the study. study. Uh, Toll-free numbers 855-450-FREE. And then uh, we'll go into the progressive world with uh, this uh, Ocasio-Cortez and some news about her. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE, like freedom. 855-450-3733. We do have the Discord on-air call-in line rooms. You just go to discord.lrn.fm. You can join us in there. And, uh, of course, take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. We've been talking about fake news. We're going to get back into that. Uh, Of course, your calls and thoughts are certainly welcome, and you can bring up anything. With you tonight, it's Ian. It's Vincent. And it's Daryl. All right, so uh, we're going to go to those phone calls, and then a little bit more from the fake news story. Uh, We've got Bobby. He's on the line in Florida on our Discord line. Go ahead, Bobby. Yes, I'd like to uh, say uh, anybody that uh, is out there that listens to Free Talk Live, um, these... um, shows that you do on tuesday the after show freer talk live i would like to encourage everybody to uh listen uh if they can uh, online it's twitch.tv slash lrn underscore fm and uh the the show last night was just amazing i thought it was very entertaining um, uh, it's, it's called freer talk live and, uh, no FCC. And so it's a lot more open. And I think that, um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, even though there was, uh, you know, some tension and, um, disagreements and everything and some horrible was, horrifying ideas uh, being expressed by uh, free talk live or not free talk live but uh, by former <laughs> free talk live host uh since has been banned from being a host on free talk live chris cantwell who joined us last night bobby please be honest how much did ian pay you ian or mark pay you to uh, call in Oh, well, I wish they, they would have paid me to call in because, you know, um, I, I actually think uh, I, I wish I could have tipped for that show last night. I, I would have paid uh, them uh, just for that entertainment alone because it was just uh, so funny that uh, uh, some of the things that uh, the guest was saying, uh, not not the not the terrible racist things that he was saying, just some of the outrageous things that he was saying if he was the government, what he would do to the people that was underneath him that he didn't like sounded, you know, like some crazy dictator. I I don't know who would want that guy to rule them. And he actually believes that he can do it. He actually believes that he can become the government, that he can be this, like, that he can lead this sort of white nationalist uh, revolution or something like that, even though the thing basically fell apart right after Charlottesville. He could lead the incel army. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, and that the libertarians didn't have a chance, but he does. Well, that's true. I mean, well, he actually made that argument. <laughs> right. He actually. I thank you guys yeah. for that. It was just amazing, and please keep it up. And uh, I love you guys. Thanks uh, for the call tonight, Bobby. I appreciate the call. That's Bobby there in Florida. Sounding good there on our Discord on air call in line rooms, and you can join us over at discord.lrn.fm. So a little bit, yeah, a little bit more here. Uh, the researchers, in addition to looking at uh, political ideology, where the people in the study self-described as very conservative, moderate, very liberal, and I'm guessing they probably also had the options of uh, somewhat conservative, somewhat liberal. Yeah. Doesn't mention that never libertarian, here. of course. Uh, correct, yeah. uh, or almost never. They also yeah. looked at age groups. So over 65, uh, 18 to 29, I think it was 30 to 44, and then like 45 to 64. They also looked at gender, race, and income, but could not find any statistically significant differences based on those things. Hmm. Okay, so rich people not any more or less likely than poor people to share fake Correct. news. Correct. Uh, after much criticism... Facebook has made changes to fight fake news. Uh, Then there's also a quote here from MIT's Deb Roy, a former Twitter chief media scientist. Before you go on, I know you're still on Facebook. I've been off for more than a year. Do they have a like a, you know, you can report something as offensive. Is there now like a fake news reporting option on there? I just wonder what kind of changes they've made to fight fake news. Give me a moment and I'll look. Uh, But, yeah, I know that they have said that they've fought it. One of the things that I know that they have done is if you are sharing, uh, or rather not sharing, but if you're boosting, meaning, like, I want to pay for more people to see this post, if it's political content, you have to jump through some uh, know-your-customer things to prove that you're a U.S. citizen. Ah, okay. Uh, That way, Russian bots can't wind up... Boosting, uh, boosting uh, allegedly, uh, but former Twitter chief media scientist don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> but this person works with MIT. Deb Roy said the problem is that the American news diet quote is full of balkanized narratives with people seeking information that they agree with yes. and calling true news that they don't agree with fake news. Yep. This is why we need the government to regulate what's true and what's not so people aren't spreading all this fake garbage. Uh, no, because then you just wind up having government propaganda everywhere. Right. Well, that's what we are. Being, on, uh, being, being facetious. Be, well, being honest, yeah, that's what we already have is you know, government propaganda anywhere anyway, so I don't see much of a difference. Well, there. it's not as bad as it was during World War II. Oh, no. no, yeah. no. Well, no <laughs> he's absolutely right, though. I mean, that's what we've – this is a problem that we have here is that people want to seek out opinions that they, uh, that they agree with, yeah. right? And, well. Uh, uh, conspiracy.freedom eagle says blah da 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 so it must be true mm-hmm. right yeah well, yeah but but cnn but 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 cnn <laughs> says uh or fox news or msnbc oh those are real those are verified news sites those are honest the new york times right you know even though it's owned by private interests and the sponsors in this case put out their own message but oh those are those they print physical papers daryl those are real it's true if it's physical paper it's real what is it called confirmation bias yes i think when people seek out uh the information that already confirms what they already believe yeah. to be true and of course they continue to believe that it's true because the thing that they're seeing is confirming that and so therefore 
where it's a cycle of, uh, you know, people just kind of constantly reconfirming that bias. And then, of course, you know, when they're on social media, they're usually around the people that also have the same views as them. So they're in the echo chamber and and it's very rare that, you know, anything contradictory can come in. Right. And you had asked earlier, what's the difference between satire and fake news? Yeah. And I don't know if you were serious about no, I mean, that or I, I'm kind of serious about it because I mean certainly people have passed around satire articles that they believed to be true uh, like by the onion I remember there was one about China or something in North Korea that uh, got passed around by a Chinese news agency and then oh yeah the getting... Chinese Communist Party reprinted the thing where uh, alleging that Kim Jong-un was sexiest man in the world <laughs> but that was from the onion right uh, but they thought it was real so it wasn't right. intended as fake news. Like the the Onion's intention wasn't to dupe anybody Correct. into thinking that. But there but are websites that did. people have created yeah. where a cursory glance at the site, you would think, yeah. oh, this is a local TV station or this is a local radio station. Two and news you can use. That kind yeah, of thing. things like that to where they'll have a number and like WSUX. I, I've not seen anybody using, uh, you know, something that would look like call signs, but like, you know, Tulsa News Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're not paying attention that Tulsa News Now Is isn't a- actually a thing in Tulsa, yeah, so the, the satire But it's sites, true that if you're not paying attention, you some people will think the onion's true as well. Or the Winooski. We've I mean, had people call out about that. Or uh, what's the other one? Babylon B is fairly yeah. popular. Uh, we got more coming up here. If you want to weigh in on fake news, jump on in here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE-LIKE-FREEDOM. This is Free Talk Live. Some of you asked, and now we've delivered. LRN.FM's live Keene, New Hampshire studio shows are now streamed in HD on Twitch. Visit our channel at twitch.lrn.fm and give it a follow. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free subscription on Twitch. If you use it on our channel, Twitch will give LRN.FM a monthly piece of your Prime subscription cost. So please watch, follow, share, and subscribe to twitch.lrn.fm. That's twitch.lrn.fm. It's Free Talk Live. We got time for you if you want to join us here. The toll free number is 855 450 free like freedom. That's 855 450 3733. Also, uh, you can join us on our Discord on air call in line rooms over at discord.lrn.fm. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian, it's Vincent, and Daryl. Fake news. People on the right. And elderly people on the right specifically, much more likely to be fooled. They didn't say elderly people on the right. They just said elderly people, comma, and And conservatives. So Ah, when when they looked at these people that were in this study, they broke them out into groups based on age, Mm -hmm. based on political ideology, based on income, uh, gender, and race. And they found no statistically significant differences when they looked at gender, race, or income. The only time that they found a difference was age and political was belief. age and political beliefs, but not necessarily the, the together. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. And now we were- I, I'm guessing that uh, old conservatives are probably like 75 times more likely than young liberals. Uh, Seems like a fair conclusion to draw. Yeah. But, you know, because they said, again, specifically that uh, those over 65 were seven times more likely than those 18 to 29 mm-hmm. to share fake news and 
the people identified, self-identified as very conservative shared misinformation 6.8 times more likely or more often than very liberal and 6.7 times more often than moderates. Well, and just to remind the audience, since they can't see your air quotes, but this is what this study, which includes a panel for a uh, contribution from BuzzFeed, defines as fake news, right? It's uh, just what they call well, it. Well, BuzzFeed didn't contribute to the study. BuzzFeed had a list of here are... Uh, sites that are probably sharing misinformation. Okay, so who they consider, I'm pardon me, that's what I meant, who they consider, so it's their metric. And you're calling BuzzFeed into question, basically? Well, I mean, BuzzFeed's biased... the original fake news site. I mean, they're the ones who... They're the, ones who, they're the uh, original spread... clickbait site. Well, I'd say they also spread fake news, but they're the ones who were the only ones who published via, you know, the Steele dossier... I don't know what that is. Oh, so the steel dog, that's where all like the Russian uh, panic comes from in, in Washington. It's like a dossier that the Fusion GPS, which is a, a firm hired by uh, the, uh, it was a firm that wrote, they, they asked someone, they asked a former British intelligence officer to come up with dirt on President Trump, or who was in candidate Trump, and they brought a dossier that said how he had uh, prost- Russian prostitutes urinate on him. Yeah, I heard that about he, that. that. Now it's been admitted that vers- it was very... Probably not true. Uh, so it was, in a sense, fake news. It was something that they knew probably wasn't true. And uh, they, they were the ones who published it. So they were the ones who got it all started. So BuzzFeed, I mean, to, to, for BuzzFeed to be calling Pot others fake calling news. Calling the kettle black. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. What else do we, uh, you want to share out of this? No, that's it. We're, we're done. Well, so we were talking about the difference between uh, satire and fake news. Yeah. And to me... I mean, not as somebody who's done an extensive study on fake news or anything like that, but if fake news is defined by information masquerading as true that is, you know, designed to uh, fool people, then a lot of satire falls into that. Um, If the intention of fake news is to get a certain political viewpoint promulgated, then maybe that's not the same as satire because, well, I mean, satire can be political as well. I don't know. It just seems like a real blurry right. line. The candles maker petition it, or the candle makers petition is probably one of the best pieces of satire in all of human history that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, that was written by Bastiat, uh, where, among other things, he wrote this petition to the French parliament, where at the time they were talking about the need to protect French workers from uh, foreign uh, workers and you know cheap foreign labor. So protectionism, protectionism, yeah. and he was like, I know of this uh, free energy and free source of light that people are using, and we need to ban it and prohibit it to make sure that people buy candles. We need to make sure that people shutter their windows and blah blah blah. <laughs> basically, ban the sun. Yeah, being intentionally ludicrous to to right a, to a point at which hopefully someone reading it would realize this is ludicrous but you gave an example of ben franklin doing the same thing when it came to uh the daylight saving time concept yeah we, we need to blast cannons as the sun rises and then like a hundred years later people thought oh wow this man's such a genius we need to change the clocks for reasons. So at the time, people got it as satire, but later, yes. because he became sort of this noteworthy figure, they in, in, they basically ignored any kind of uh, idea that as they were reading it, it might possibly even be satire, because it came from someone so important, yes. it couldn't even be satire in their minds, and they just didn't even consider that, right? Right. So again, you know, 
it seems like a real blurry line between fake news and satire, especially because not all satire sites are necessarily upfront about the fact that they are satire. You brought up The Onion, and then you looked during one of the breaks, and I looked as well, and they do have an about page on The Onion, but you have to scroll down to the frequently asked questions before you get to the right. question about, uh, can I sue you? And then in the question, the answer to the question, it's like, please don't, because satire is blah, 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 protected by etc., etc. Right. And uh, that's where they sort of reveal that it's satire. But the actual about page itself has satire on it. The first few paragraphs yes. are complete fabrications. 4.3 trillion readers a day. <laughs> yeah. Now, anybody that looks at that obviously knows it's fake if they know how many people live in the world. But not everybody has those details right. uh, in life. Well, you're assuming that aliens that live in outer space aren't, aren't reading. people. Right. No, they don't say people. Oh, readers. That's true. That's a good point. 4.3 trillion readers. Well, yeah, and couldn't a reader also technically be like a web crawler bot, you know, like the bots Could that be. are constantly reading. You know, I mean, they're looking at the, the page, yep. right? They're they're parsing the text. And- yeah, so I pulled up the wiki article for fake news just to see how, well, yeah, how do they Wikipedia define it? defines it. They say fake news is a type of yellow journalism or propaganda that consists of deliberate disinformation or hoaxes spread Hmm. via traditional print and broadcast news media or online social media. I don't think there's much traditional print uh, that's doing fake news. No, it's all fake news. I mean, any pre- most of the uh, mainstream media have reported on 9-11 or reports us on anything the government does is fake news because they're propagandists for it, for keeping the system together. That There were a lot of print media as well as uh, broadcast media that a few years ago ran with this story about the uh, North North Korean state media allegedly putting out a press release that they had landed on the sun. <laughs> and everybody's like, look how dumb the North Koreans are. They think they landed on the sun. But it was one of these fake stories to see if the media would go with the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go on with your... Uh, I'm, I've got the wiki here. You want to continue with the first paragraph? Uh, doesn't matter. The term, is, the term is also at times used to cast doubt upon legitimate news from an opposing political standpoint, a tactic known as the lying press. The false information is often caused by reporters paying sources for stories, an unethical practice called checkbook journalism. Uh, the, a lot of the tabloids were kind of known for doing that. Yeah. Back in the day, the news then often reverberated as misinformation in social media, but occasionally finds its way into the mainstream media as well. It says here, it is published and written usually with the intent to mislead in order to damage an agency, entity, or person. All right, so with that in mind, here's a story that I just happened to see on The Onion from today. Headline, Fox News debuts premium channel for 24-hour coverage of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. New York, as part of its effort to provide the most comprehensive reporting possible on the freshman congresswoman, Fox News announced Wednesday the debut of a new premium television channel that will offer continuous around-the-clock updates on Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of New York. Quote, for an extra eight ninety nine per month, you'll have an all-access pass to the AOC Zone, which features wall-to-wall... <laughs> Which features wall-to-wall coverage of every word Ocasio-Cortez utters, as well as in-depth analysis of her wardrobe and any videos we're able to dig up from her college days. 
said Fox spokesperson Avery Madison, adding that the new channel will include uninterrupted live footage of the 29-year-old representative every time she appears in public, along with nonstop commentary from a 12-person panel of experts. Quote, we know our viewers will come to depend on this outlet for 24-hour coverage of AOC, which is why her tweets, Instagram posts, and her latest wacky policy proposals will appear in a ticker at the bottom of the screen. We're particularly excited for the premiere of the channel's flagship program, AOC Tonight with Tucker Carlson. (laughs) <laughs> Minutes after AOC's zone began broadcasting, sources confirmed its ratings had already surpassed those of Fox News. So, uh, is that fake news or is it satire? satire. It's Free Talk Live. Enough time for you if you want to join us here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Whether you want to talk about fake news or whatever happens to be on your mind, you can do that. 855-450-3733. Also, the Discord call-in lines are over there at discord.lrn.fm. It's Ian Vincent and Daryl in the studio here tonight. Uh, the Ocasio-Cortez story, Vincent, you've got some news about this lady. You know, we haven't really talked much about her. Apparently, Fox News is obsessed with her. That's what uh, the, the Onion story that we shared just a moment ago about them launching a 24-hour Ocasio-Cortez channel was sort of riffing on the idea that they're spending a inordinate amount of time on this 29-year-old freshman uh, U.S. Congress person. I, I would say the, uh, the the right. I guess as people say, conservative or right wing media in general. I mean, like Al- the Infowars, they have a, sh- a T shirt with her face on it now. So I mean, wow. it's like she's sort of become their new like punching bag, someone to bring up, someone to basically get content for them. Right? She and you know wisely yeah, sure. she does. She says all sorts of outrageous, attention grabbing things, and these people, these uh, they don't have anything better to report on, so they just report on that for segments on end. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and you know they like to laugh at her, say how her ideas are stupid. But and they uh, probably are. I mean, she is a socialist. I mean, but, I haven't. I don't know much about what she says, but I mean, that's all I really need. To know uh, she's, she's advocated socialist. for seventy percent uh, income tax bracket. Uh, a new green deal, which like some people say, will yeah, add, like, trillions to the uh, deficit. And you know, broken clock, uh, right? Occasionally, she did say that during the government shutdown, Congress should not be paid. Okay. All right. Uh, What's common sense? I I, I agree with her there. One would think it's common sense, but when Congress had that legislation pending before them, they took no action. Well, of course not. They're not going (laughs) to pull their own paychecks, right? Now I'm gonna guess but, she's probably good on the marijuana issue. That's just I'm I'm just gonna guess. Uh, I've I don't know. I've heard nothing based on her, her age. I mean, she's 29 years old. Well, like one would think, and usually that's the default. People say, "Oh, well, Democrats are, are pro weed," but like you know, I've been not in all heavily, of them. Yeah, no. no, no, I'd say for the most of them aren't because you know both sides. Any every politician benefits from having something criminalized because it's more people to put into private prisons, sure, get more lobbying. But she, as I was saying earlier, she's uh, she's someone to be taken seriously because uh, Rasmussen they had a poll. It is like a sort of a hypothetical or like a made up scenario. Now, where they, real quick, I just went to her website. Yeah. And clicked on issues, and it does say under criminal justice reform uh, and private prisons, uh, dot, 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 Alexandria supports the federal legalization of marijuana, ending for-profit prisons and detention detention centers, the release of individuals incarcerated for nonviolent drug offenses. Okay. All right. So um, we're with her on that one. 
But I mean, they, a, a lot of them say that, right? I think maybe even Gene Shaheen or Maggie Hassan had some of those on there. Do mm. they ever get passed? Well, no. no. But uh, she in in a Rasmussen poll, they did a like hypothetical uh, face off for 2020 between her and Trump, and Trump was only they were neck and neck, right? They were close. Trump was 43 percent, she was like 40 percent, mm. and uh, so, so the she, rest were undecided. Yeah, 17 percent was undecided from my uh, interesting from my memory. And so, you said this is a hypothetical 2020 matchup. Uh, let's see here. I have it. Or 2024, because she's not eligible to run in 2020. They said, even though acknowledging she wasn't, uh, it said, if the question here I have in front of me, if a presidential race in 2020 was between Donald Trump and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who would you vote for? So, you know, even though... It's basically like, a pointless poll, but it's kind of interesting to yes. see what people are, you know, well, I how think they feel, it, I guess. Well, no, I, I wouldn't say it's pointless, because you have sort of two two ideologies right you have conservative capitalism represented by trump and then it's you an have interesting term i've not heard that before well, it's because you know people say oh trump's free just hold on oh yeah trump's free market you know <laughs> uh but no he's not i mean he's he's uh he's used crony capitalism you know state back right. capitalism his whole life and you know just just it's like a mafia don running the running the country you don't get to be versus... a, a casino owner or whatever without being tied into the mafia oh, exactly right? and and you know yeah. both the underground mafia and the overground mafia yeah, the i.e the government right. exactly and so i think it's just like facing the two ideologies right the maga right the trump movement or what he represents and mm-hmm. the you know democratic socialist youth you know what it was well because boys, bernie's pretty represents. old right like i know a bunch of people want to see bernie go 2020 but what is he in his mid 80s uh at this point i think at last i heard maybe like 84 or something like that i mean he is no spring chicken uh when it comes to people running for president currently trump, 77 really god he seems so much older than that um trump is like what 74 ish somewhere in that range so i mean trump's gonna be ancient by the currently 72 a long way so i mean five years from now trump is gonna be close to death uh (laughs) well the next election's in two years i know but five but like if you were to not for some reason skip the next election and run against ocasio cortez in five years then well people and rich people well if he loses in 2020 he could run in 2024 it's a good point I mean, you know, pe- people are living longer, especially rich people, especially rich True. politicians. Like Dick Cheney should have been dead probably 20 years from now, but he's using, I don't know, like ba- the powers of bail and virgin blood keeping him alive. Yeah, they can uh, afford a lot of stuff like that. But uh, here, the, the, the story here is Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, she's going to, quote, run train on the progressive agenda. And this is by Mediadite.com, published today. And uh, Representative Alexander Ocasio-Cortez mocked her critics in a Washington Post interview, telling them to, quote, enjoy being exhausted for the next two years while we run train on the progressive agenda. Uh, so run train. Uh, it's, according it's, to Urban Dictionary, they, they, they go into I don't that. even know if we can say what this well, is. Well, it goes into that here. Uh, it follows on the Mediadite article. According to Urban Dictionary, not always a reliable source, but useful in this case, run train is colloquially defined as to, quote, gang. Um, I don't know if I can say that. Someone Do something with, sexual with a gang. Quote, with several friends, <laughs> which doesn't always have to be friends. And she but. wants to do this to the progressive movement? Uh, it's It seems as if that's her intention. A cause Cortez is pledged to gang do something uh, sexual or the, the thing. I uh, can't say to the run word. train. Yeah, run. Tra- if the progressive agenda comes in the transcript of an extensive interview with a post in which she was asked about quote, conservative media setting her up as quote another boogeyman on the left. Quote, I also think it's encouraging because this is my sixth day in Congress and they're out of all of their artillery, she said, referring to the fake photo of her feet in a bathtub that was covered controversially by the Daily Caller. Quote, the nude is supposed to be like the bazooka, you know, like 
We're going to take her down. Dude, you're so all wait, out wait. of bullets. You're oh, all out of bombs. You're all, all out of all this stuff. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I don't pay attention to this internal political conflict. Is she saying that there are people... She's like the enemy of the progressive movement, even though she's a progressive. There's people that are trying to take her down within the movement, well, basically. Well, that- now, I think she's talking about people within the Democratic Party because there was a story from a couple of days ago. Uh, headline, fellow Dems chastise Ocasio-Cortez, quote, she doesn't understand how the place works. Yeah, I do. Remember so they're, they're basically saying, hey, lady, slow your roll. Mm-hmm. Learn how Congress works. Yeah. Sit wait, down, shut up for a little bit. Wait until the the lobbyists with her money give it to you, and then you'll then then it'll all become clear once right once. <laughs> and that's pretty much what it is. I mean, even though I don't agree with her agenda, you got to give it to her for at least wanting something to change, right? But you right. Know, soon someone is going to show up with a briefcase full of money and probably do the same thing. Yeah, and just just give it to her and say, "All right, you know, you're done." Uh, you could continue tweeting as much as you want, but when when it really comes down to the brass tax of you it, do you, what vote, we say. you vote our way, or you know we'll release whatever. And so what she's referring to here is what, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion, much ado about nothing. Where she had you know the dan- she had a video of her dancing, and then she had a picture of her with a bottle of wine in a wine in, in a bathtub, and it's like a scandal. Well, exactly, and not too <laughs> conservatives many conservatives play- were like, ah! yeah, hold on now. They <laughs> say con- they say conservatives did that, but it was only just a few people on twitter right aside from maybe just in this case the daily caller that posted it it's like it's in my opinion i view because you know i have to look at news for 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 my my school my work so i'm just constantly reading over it it's a lot of like manufactured controversy because this right is what kind she of gets like the on. thing when uh every year starbucks doesn't put baby jesus on their coffee cups and there's like three conservatives that get upset but there's all these bot accounts on twitter that yeah. repost it mm-hmm. and it's like just to create conservatives division. are all upset well not really. And, and there there are some, but yeah. we call them idiots. And well, I mean, yeah, and it's just an excuse to make articles. I, I I couldn't tell you how many articles from main quote mainstream sources that they say, oh, outrage, and it just so it shows a few people tweets, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Twitter is now it's a major part it's of a the news, news cycle. It's crazy it, yeah. how many. It's, it's crazy how many news stations and sources are I reporting see stuff on Twitter. In UPI and Reuters all the time where. Oh, it's so-and-so posted on Twitter, and then they give the quote that the person the made on... exploded. Or, or it's not even necessarily a so-and-so. It's just like, here's what the twi- Twitter is saying about, and then, you know, fill And then in. they just like... And then they put a bunch of different tweets here, here, from different people. That's page. what I call like, fake news. Right. Not because it's lies, because it's not news. No right. one cares. Somebody and, and, did a search. Some some editor on whatever the site is did yeah. a search for a hashtag on Twitter, and or, they made an article no, about Twitter it. Twitter <laughs> makes it easy. Here's the top ten trending things for today. Let's report on that. Uh, The article here that you pulled up, Vincent, says it's unclear whether AOC is aware that Run Train has a sexual reference. (laughs) God, she's 29. Shouldn't she know like memes and Urban Dictionary? I can't believe she she would. All right. There's more coming up tomorrow. You'll see us then online in the meantime over at freetalklive.com. Are you a cryptocurrency advocate? The Crypto Tip is the ideal outreach tool to help new people discover cryptocurrency. It's a printable business card-sized tip that you can give to service providers, preferably in addition to a good cash tip. When the server scans the QR code, it'll bring up an explanation of cryptocurrency, how to install a wallet, and allow them to claim the tip. If they don't claim the crypto, you get your tip refunded to you after a time period you specify. Plus, if they do claim the tip, you get an email alert. Create as many tips as you want at CryptoTip.org. That's CryptoTip.org.